yes, Facebook may be driving dollar leads and YouTube may be driving $5 leads, but the actual return on your ad spend from YouTube is 10 times higher than it is on Facebook. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 68. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. I've got stats coming out of my ears. That's what that is. That's what you can see. There are stats coming out of my ears. Facebook saying this is my conversion rate. Google saying something else. Everybody saying something. And when I put them into a spreadsheet, when I actually bother doing that, none of it adds up. Where the hell do I start? <laughs> hey, this is Rob and Kennedy Hello. from Response Suite. Stats and numbers and conversions are confusing, Robert. Yes, it sounds like one of those puzzles where you say, well, I had £10 and I gave £2 to you. But you ended up with one pound in the extra. (laughs) It's it's horrible. It is awful because if you go in, I mean, everybody seems to claim, oh, no, I got you that sale. No, and then somebody else out in the corner going, no, that was me. We're talking about paid ads, by the way. Yes, we are talking about paid ads. And we're talking about, you might run a Facebook ad and Facebook says, that conversion you got over there, that was us. Thanks a lot, lads. In fact, You've only got 300 conversions in your email system, but I can tell you, I got you 342 because, of course, the tracking is out to begin with. Of course. So the problem is, how on earth do you make sense of all that stuff, especially when you've got more than one platform that you're using? If you're not just running through one platform, in this example, we're talking about here, Facebook, if you're also running Google ads and YouTube ads and Quora ads. And they're all overclaiming. Credit. And they're all overclaiming. They're all saying that was me. And the truth is, they, that's not like, it's not by design. The truth is, if initially somebody heard about you because they saw a Facebook ad and then later they happened to see you being talked about on Quora and they clicked on that, you could say it's a cumulative effect because we live in a world now. We've lived in a world for a long time where seeing one ad one time is not going to do the conversion. And sadly, just pixel tracking just isn't a perfect technology. It doesn't Ooh. work for a whole bunch of reasons. So that's why we brought in the main man himself, Mr. John Belcher, today to Didn't have a he chat. Big, work for the big G. He used not to the work. one upstairs, not the Google. <laughs> <laughs> he did, yeah. He I can't to... speak about the one upstairs, but he certainly used to work for Google, yeah. And uh, so he knows things about stuff, about does, ads. It does. Uh, and we talked to him about the stuff. Yes. So, uh, you know, uh, one half of adskills.com. Um, John knows tons and tons and tons of amazing stuff to do with all of this ad tracking malarkey. So we decided that we wanted to grill him on how do we actually make this work? Whether you're running on one ads platform, you may be, maybe you're just running Facebook ads or just running Google ads, and it's over-reporting and it's hard to know really where you're at. Or if you want to multiply that problem and amplify that problem because you're advertising on 10 different networks and they're all causing you headaches, how do you do this? You've got a really great concept called the North Star. That's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. I want to give a big high five to Peter Tud. Was that you high five and Peter Tud? You're five. smacking on the bottom. <laughs> that was the high five again. It <laughs> was the high five sound effect sponsored by Robert Hans. Exactly. <laughs> great. Peter Tud says, brilliant. This is my new favorite podcast. Thanks for your your review there, Peter. Thank you. Really appreciate it. If you haven't already left us a review on the old iTunes or your favorite, well, it's actually called Apple Podcast this week, isn't it? And uh, <laughs> if you haven't already left us a review, please go and do that. We're celebrating brand new listeners. If you're already a listener, then if you haven't already left us a review, go leave us one. We'd love to know who you are, where in the world you're tuning in from, and what your favorite takeaways from some of the episodes have been. And if you're a brand new listener, welcome aboard. We're dead happy and excited to have you with us. Let us know what your big takeaway is from the episode. Do that over 
at Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher or on anywhere else that you can leave a review. And uh, we'll read them out. We'll read some of them out on the on the old show here. Mm. So before we go any further, I'm going to head on over into Rob's ever so lovely quote of the week. Yes, because as they say, as day breaks, night falls, pencil sharpeners go unused. It really, really, really does sink deep, that one. I love that. I really love that. I'm feeling very thoughtful and very philosophical now, Rob. You're welcome. There you go. There you go. That's why I do it. <laughs> do you want to talk about this web class we've got going on? Yeah, so over the past a billion years or something, uh, slight exaggeration, but probably 15 years, we've become obsessed with email marketing. We Our have, ability yeah. to send emails, pop a little email into somebody's inbox mm-hmm. and have them want to buy stuff from us. And the problem is a lot of businesses are finding that email marketing starting to go downhill a bit, like their open rates are falling, their click-through rates are falling. It used to be a lovely case of like you would send an email and then make a bunch of sales and then yeah. it was great. And and now people, even with enormous lists, are struggling to get great opens and clicks and even delivery at all. Mm. Uh, so we wanted to do something to fix it. It's what we specialize in here at Response Suite. So we're hosting a special uh, web class, a free web class, where we're going to teach you this campaign that we did that allowed us to double our sales, which were already good, but to double our sales just by using this one simple campaign and just making a little tweak to the way that you send emails. You kind of do it once. That was the tweaking sound effect. Uh, it just does it once. And then you and it impacts your email sales forever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, so um, if you want to register for that, you can come and join us for free. Just head over to responsesuite.com forward slash webinar and you'll be able to register. You'll see the upcoming dates and times. So without further ado, let's drag him in. Let's speak to the main man himself. Let's talk to John Belcher. John Belcher, how are you? Hey, great. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Excited to be here. We're really, really excited. This is going to be very cool. We want to pick your brains on some of more of this paid traffic stuff. Now, we've had quite a few episodes recently focusing on different paid media channels, whether it be Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. Now, let's imagine we've got our campaigns up and running. We've kind of scaled them to the point where they're kind of doing as much as they can do on that one singular platform. Like we've, we've hit that ceiling and we just can't get any further from that one platform. What do we do next? Yeah, it's a great question. This is kind of something that we talk about all the time at Ad Skills. Uh, whenever you're doing paid traffic, you you typically run into a plateau on a particular platform. You, you get excited. You're like, oh, great. We're spending $2,000, $3,000 a day. And then you ramp it up to four or $5,000 and your return starts to go down. So you have to dial it back. And you start to hit this you know, artificial ceiling. And so your question is, do I scale out to other paid traffic networks? What do I do next? And as much as I'd love to say it's time to go to YouTube or Facebook or you know LinkedIn or whatever the different traffic sources are, before you get into that, you have to start looking at your numbers. You have to get your tracking dialed in. Tracking is not a sexy thing, but it's the number one thing as you start to scale up. That's the highest ROI activity you have. So that's really what I want to make sure that we focus on chatting about today is how to break through those barriers utilizing tracking and analytics. Dude, we're a minute in. You storm in here, new guest on the podcast, and you drop the T-bomb already. (laughs) What's wrong with you? I know. I'm a terrible person. It's not a sexy thing for people to talk about. Uh, What I kind of laugh about is people always think that you come, you drop Google Analytics on your site, and now you have tracking. And that's just not the case. And it's really the piece where you know a lot of people are starting to have success, whether it be Facebook, Google AdWords, YouTube, GDN, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever your traffic source is. They get super excited and they're like, great, I'm ready to scale. And then they hit the ceiling and they just can't get through it. And that's the biggest thing is time to take a step back and understand how do I get my numbers in place so I can really start to continue to move things forward. 
Um, so I know I dropped the T-bomb, but it's going to be important to make sure that you can really get the results you're looking for. So what we're really talking about is not tracking. We're talking about how do we plow through that ceiling? How do we actually scale to that next level and do that without starting to lose out on that, on that, on that ROI, isn't it? So that's where we're going to start using the results and that data in order to plow through that and, and, and play, like, play like a big shot. Just want to roll back slightly. You know, we've got our campaign up and running. Let's say that it's on Facebook for sake of argument. There's, there's potentially already a discrepancy that most people are seeing. So for example, if they're running a list building campaign that puts people through a funnel of stuff, then obviously what you've got is a bunch of people where Facebook might say, uh, okay, great. Over the last six months of running this campaign, you have got 9,272 leads, right? And then you look inside Infusionsoft or whatever, and it says that you've got 11,000 or it says you've got 7,000. The number is different to Facebook. Mm. So already there's a discrepancy there. And I think most, most businesses are finding that. So first question, I guess I want to ask before we dive into this sort of multi-channel stuff is that something we should be expecting and just be okay with or is there a better way than, that avoids that yeah it's a great question so the one thing it really boils down to is tracking platforms are biased so they're going to take credit for absolutely everything they want to have them they want to make sure that you have the highest throw ads inside of your account so you can continue to spend money with them of course. Um, the other piece that's a problem with this is all of our tracking, really, when we talk about cookies or pixels, is all client side. And the problem with that is when you're using client side data, um, you know, if there's a browser that is not allowing cookies to pass, well, now you have conversions that are being dropped. We see this a lot with Google right now. Um, this is why we have to go post back extra conversions. Because if we don't, our smart bidding technology gets it's off because it's not, we're not sending enough sales back. And right. so that's a problem. Um, well, anything that has to do with client side, if someone reloads the thank you page twice because something got hung or they skip too early before the pixel loads, that conversion either gets double counted or lost. So everything that we do is right. client side. And this is the problem when it comes to analytics is it's not the actual numbers that you're seeing inside of your CRM. So you have to be able to marry those two together and really understand what am I spending? What are my you know costs per whatever's? Uh, when, from the actual data on the back end, you have to get this stuff dialed in so you actually know when it's time to scale or when you need to go fix a problem. Okay. So presumably, that's only going to get worse if you're running on Facebook and those those numbers are out, those metrics are out. That's going to get worse if you then go, right, we're going to roll this out on Google or LinkedIn or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. because they're going to be out as well. And then that like potentially doubles the discrepancy, doesn't it? So is there something we have to put in place before we, do, before we say, okay, great, we're going to move on? Yeah. So when it boils down to this, and I think the big thing that you just mentioned is what we call view through conversion. So someone saw an ad somewhere and that's why Facebook's taking credit for it and Google's taking credit for it. Let's say Facebook, they saw the, the ad on your feed. They watched your video. They searched on Google. The, your search ad appeared and they didn't click on it, but they purchased. Well, now that ad's been attributed by both Facebook and Google because both people saw your ads. So that's a huge piece. Like That's really where the bias starts to come in is they both want to take credit for it. Who is actually responsible for it? In this case, it was Facebook. I do a lot of YouTube advertising that pushes a lot of organic search. So we know that YouTube is driving those things. So the, the biggest thing that you have to do is you have to get a tracking system in place that we call the North Star. And what you have to understand about your North Star is it's never going to be 100% accurate. There's so many people go through these long processes, all of these different touch points. You will never be 100% accurate. So the number you need to be comfortable with is 85%. If we can be right about 85% of the time, we call that directionally accurate, it will allow us to say, okay, if Facebook is having twice the revenue inside of our North Star that YouTube is, 
we should continue to invest in Facebook. If it's the other way, we should continue to invest more in YouTube. And being comfortable and not saying you can't say we have 100% accuracy, we're 85% accurate. And whenever we have these kind of directional ratios, now we feel comfortable continuing to scale up that particular traffic source. Does all that make sense? It does, yeah. So this North Star piece, is that a piece of technology or is it literally just a number that you're looking for somewhere? Yeah, so it's definitely a piece of technology. So you have to identify what is the what's the analytics, what's the the place that you can actually look inside of for your your revenue, your ROI numbers, and say we trust this data source. And so I have a couple of recommendations on that. But at the end of the day, you have to the first thing you have to do is have the ability to sit down and say, I'm comfortable. We're going to make all of our decisions off of this tool. We're not going to pay attention to what's in Facebook. We're not going to pay attention to what's in Google. This is the source that we're trusting. We're committing to this and we're moving forward. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So you mentioned there's a couple of bits of technology you recommend. Do you want to just call them out? Yeah. So this is something that we work through. Um, I've actually got a new training that I'm working on right now called Bloody Pixels. And so what I've done (laughs) is we talked about tracking is the least sexy thing in the world. And so I tried to find the the most consumed content in the world. And that, uh, if you look at television, if you look at Netflix, Hulu, HBO, it's about murder. People are very you know, infatuated with the idea of murder. And so what I've done is taken a murder investigation and said, look, there's four different types of detectives, kids, you know, little kids with detective badges that really know nothing about it, all the way up to the most advanced detectives in the world that are solving serial killers and profiling them so they can, you know, basically go after and find people who have, you know, exhibited the signs of being a serial killer, but actually haven't taken their first step. There's those parallels of those four levels are very in line with tracking. There's people who have Google Analytics on their site and they're making this, you know, decisions based on average session duration, which is a horrible metric, all the way up to people who have fully built backends that can track everything from the first click all the way through down through the lifetime value of customers and start sending that, you know, proactive data. So event data back to ad networks to optimize faster. Those are the four different levels. And so what we really talk about is the first thing you have to get in place is Google Analytics. You have to have your tracking links, your UTM tracking in place so you can understand, hey, Facebook's responsible for these conversions. Google is responsible for these. It's all last-click attribution. Um, It's a very important place to begin with. Uh, It's just to ensure that you have a general understanding of what's driving the last point of sale. So that's really where we talk about beginning is getting your Google Analytics in place, understanding that tracking is a set of habits. It's not something that you just throw a pixel on your page and all of a sudden you're there. You have to do a lot of work to customize things to get the information you need. But when you do that, you now have a roadmap you can work off of to make decisions on how you're going to strategically continue to scale up your business. So that's always where we begin the first tool that we talk about. That's really interesting. One of the things that you said there was about session duration being a terrible metric. So let's say there's a lot of us doing really well with sales, getting an ROI that we're fairly happy with, or obviously we always want it better. But Mm -hmm. we know that by doing a little bit of a better better job of tracking and looking at conversions a bit more, we're going to do a better job and get a better ROI, which when you're running a campaign at this level, what are the metrics that you absolutely need in there? And what are some of the sort of surprising things that you've seen along the way that people are not doing that they should be doing? 
This is a great question because it really boils down to where you're at in the process of building up your funnels. Right. Um, so, you know, everyone's like, well, what are the three metrics I need to look at? And that's a like, for me, it's return. Like ROI is where everything is based off of. So we're sure. looking at cost, cost per acquisition, right? So what we try and do is we work through a process. When we look at our funnels, we essentially, I, I work in the e-commerce space. So the metrics that exist for us inside of our funnel starts with ads. So what's our ad click-through rate? The better your click-through rate is, the better you know you're, you have the ability to scale more because ad networks are going to want to serve your ad because they're going to get paid more consistently. Mm-hmm. And your, your metrics can actually hold up as you start to increase your budget. So everything starts with ad click-through rate. Then with our funnels, we drive everything to an advertorial that goes through and explains the problem and then introduces the solution. And so what we're trying to get to people to do there is click through the advertorial, which leads them to our sales page, our, our Shopify page. And those metrics we look at there, add to cart, initiate checkout, shipping, and then finally purchase. And so what we do is we can't possibly look at all of those at the same time. So what we do is we start at the top and work our way down to the bottom. And so essentially what we're trying to do is we optimize campaigns. We start with ad click-through rates. So when my team goes through and we review metrics, the first thing we look at is our click-through rates on our ads and the overall CPA or cost per acquisition for those ads. We find the best combination. We go through and iterate our creative. And then we will start working on the advertorial piece. Then we're trying to increase our click-through rate there. But also we're keeping in mind the, the, the CPA. And so really what you have to do is understand the different points in your funnel, whether you're driving leads and then you've got email engagement or you have a webinar. Essentially, what you have to do is break down your funnel into all of the separate steps that people need to take. You start at the highest point and you try and optimize that, but also looking at your cost per acquisition. You're trying to find the marriage of two metrics at the same time and then continue to move your way through your funnel. Does all that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's very interesting. I think the the question I've got right now is is actually just again ruling back a little bit. If somebody's got their funnel built up, and let's imagine, like, so for example, we sell info products some of the time. Uh, you might have a free thing that you give away, and then somebody subscribes to that, they join your list, and the next thing is there's going to be some sort of tripwire offer, and then another another upsell, another upsell, and another twelve upsells until you're done. Um, and then what happens? Standard is, ascension. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna drive traffic from, let's say, Facebook, and you're also now gonna start mixing in this second one, we obviously need to have something in place that's going to allow us to work out, okay, great. So my cost per, my sort of cost acquisition cost of a subscriber from Facebook is a dollar and from Google, it's $1.20. Okay, great. On the face of it, that makes Facebook sound better for an acquisition cost. Mm-hmm. But if you're also getting 10 times the conversions from Google, that means your actual return on ad spend is better from Google. So I guess the question is, how, how can we be tracking all the way through the. So you're looking at you're looking at the difference in tracking the cost of acquiring a subscriber versus the cost of acquiring a customer, right? Yeah. So I can hold my hands up and say, 100% in my business, I do not have technology in place with my 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 uh, info product stuff uh-huh. to have it so that when somebody opts in, I know that that opt in has led to the sale of that thing, as opposed to a different ad campaign on a different platform altogether having okay. led to the sale. So I can see where my opt ins are coming from. As, as, as close as they're willing to tell me, but I can't see where those sales have come from. Yeah. What, um, what, what's likely to be missing in that process from a tracking perspective? Yeah, so great question. So you're starting from the perspective, this is where Google Analytics is helpful, is basically figuring out which sources are driving you the most leads. But then on your back end with your CRM, so there's a couple different ways you can do this. The first thing you can do is pull the UTMs. Uh, let's say you're using Infusionsoft. Mm-hmm. When yeah. someone opts in through a lead form, you can pull the UTM parameters 
in through Hidden Fields, into Infusionsoft to understand which, which marketing channel, which campaign, which ad brought that person into your business. And then you can do monthly or weekly audits to understand, hey, these ads, these campaigns are driving sales. So that way you can go through and look at it that way. Or you can use a tool that's a higher level analytics tool that's built to do this. We always recommend, excuse me, we recommend Wicked Reports. That's the tool that we've worked with the most. Yeah. That's going to allow you to see the acquisition source of your leads, which yeah. ones are turning into sales, and the overall ROI. That's really how we look at... We, we're leveraging tools that combine those stacks together. So you can see, yes, Facebook may be driving dollar leads, and YouTube may be driving $5 leads. But the actual return on your ad spend from YouTube is 10 times higher than it is on Facebook. It's a very important piece. You have to get each step of your funnel optimized so you can really go through and be able to scale up that way. Does that all make sense? A hundred percent. I think there's something really, really reassuring there to know that somebody can just listen and go, oh, well, do you know what? I've, I've, got, I've got my Infusionsoft account. I'm just not using it that way, but that's dead easy for me to set up. And if you want to spend a little bit more money on it and you want to invest in something like Wicked Reports, which obviously is not the cheapest thing in the world, but it's insanely good, then obviously they can, they can totally do that as well. Very cool. We're going to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah. Go on. No, I'm not going to interrupt you when you're actually going to give us an answer. So go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, this is always the question for people. So you brought up the price of analytics right? Um, when it comes to a tool like Wicked Reports. And there's a couple other tools out there. Glue.io. Um, Alex Becker has a new tool called uh, Market Hero True Tracking, which is pretty cool. Hmm. There's a bunch of tools out there. But when you get to the point where you're talking about scaling up your campaigns, you know, everyone gets so excited about this sexy ROAS number. Well, if you're going to get to the point where essentially what has to happen, businesses are in two phases. They either focus on average order value, so they're trying to be profitable on day zero, or they're focused on lifetime value, where they want to be you know, profitable over the life of the campaign. But someone who focuses on lifetime value can outspend the AOV person every single day, all day, and their business is going to be 20 times larger within a year because they're focused on that bigger picture. Right. So the question for you needs to be, do I want to use free tracking tools and just be focused on profit, profit this second? Well, ad costs are always going up. There's more competition entering the market. I don't want to be in that point because the profit's going to be dwindled and dwindled and dwindled like we've seen with Facebook with ad prices rising. Mm -hmm. I want to know where the long-term money's at. So if I have to choose between spending an extra $400 on ads or $400 a month on analytics, I absolutely want to invest on the analytics because it's going to help me turn into an LTV company that can dominate my competition. Makes a lot of sense. That's really, really interesting. I think for a lot of us, that's a, a total mindset shift on 400 bucks on ads. I'd be like, heck yeah, bring them in. Whereas $400 a month on analytics, I'd be like, what for pretty pictures? <laughs> exactly. It, it's, it's Once again, it's not sexy. But if you want to talk about real ROI, right. I, I love going into companies and asking them, let's take a look at your analytics. And if it's broken, or if, they, if it's not you know, something I can walk in and understand their business... I know exactly the first thing we're working on and it's definitely not ad spend. Hmm. Wow. Okay. That's real mic drop moment. In fact, I'm going to use that as a dramatic pause to go into our first of the two games we're going to play in this episode. The first one is the custom game we came up with specially for you. And because you're a Google guy, you used to be over at uh, Google. We, I, I, what I did is I did... 10, 10 Google searches for 10 slightly interesting things. And what I, we're going to give you two options as to what the, the top search result for that answer was. Does that make sense? And your yep. job is to tell us which of these two things that we give you was the higher 
of the two search results. So uh, the first one, Rob. The first one is best cupcakes in Michigan. Do you think that was A, cupcake station, or B, yummy cupcakes? Yummy cupcakes. Are you a big fan? No, never had them. Just uh, it seems to me based on click-through rate, that's probably going to be what people clicked on more. <laughs> uh, it was actually the other one. It was Cupcake Station are like bang <laughs> up there. Absolutely. Here's number two. I searched for why isn't 11 pronounced 21? And the, t- <laughs> the, two com- the two websites which had answers for that were Stack Exchange and Quora. Who do you think ranked best? Ooh, that's a that's a tough one. I'm gonna go with Quora. You are bang on and a massive fan of Quora. Doing a great job. The third one, best coffee in Michigan. Do you think it was Foster Coffee Company or Astro Coffee? I have no idea. I've never heard of either one. Uh, I'm gonna go with the first answer. <laughs> Foster was incorrect. It was Astro Coffee. Next one, I searched for Sports Stadium, Michigan, and did I get was the was the higher up one? University of Michigan Sports Coliseum or the Roseville Junior Sports Sports Stadium? I hope it was the University of Michigan. <laughs> you you can hope all you like. It's not true. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. <laughs> what, SEO 101 problems there. Next one. Exactly. Michigan, Michigan's best diner. Did that bring up Michigan Diner or TV's Deli and Diner? I'm going to go TV's Deli and Diner. Close, oh. very close. We're not rocking this. <laughs> you're not. You're, 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 you're taking part, and that's what counts. What What would happen? I, I search for this. What would happen if you hired two private investigators to follow each other? Two Two, two websites had answers to that. One was Quora. One was Reddit. Who did the best ranking? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with Reddit. I bet it had higher engagement. I bet that thing went well. It did. It was Reddit. Well done. Andy's showing his working out as well. (laughs) There you go. Extra points. The next one was Golf Course course Michigan. Do you think that was Arcadia, Arcadia rather, or Coyote Golf Course? I'm going to go with Arcadia. It was. It was. Best places to live in Michigan. Did we get Detroit or Ann Arbor? Ann Arbor. Correct. Uh, No. Opposite of correct. It was Detroit. <laughs> we Googled. Yeah, I know, right? Now we Googled John Belcher. Which do you think came up first? Keele University or Wikipedia? Hmm. Uh, I think it's Wikipedia. It's it not me. It's Wikipedia. It's a, law, it is. It is a law professor, right? There you go. There yes, you go. That's right. And, uh, and then finally, I Googled Google. Who ranked first? Was it Twitter or Facebook? <laughs> I'm hoping it's Google. I hope it's door number three. <laughs> they were very, very top. Google were, Google.com was the top, but who ranked Got better? It. Was, it, was it Twitter? Twitter. Or- it was Twitter, which I couldn't believe that they outranked. Yeah, so it's number, number one, number two, so- three, four. Yeah, Twitter has the, an integration with Google that shows up in their search feed. So they actually want to promote Twitter over Facebook because they know Facebook is the competition. That's ah. very interesting. Bit of insider gossip, I'll tell you there. That was, uh, that was five out of ten. Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah, that's uh, definitely not a passing grade right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. we passed in our eyes and all. Let's get back to this stuff that you know loads about, which is this, uh, this sexy tracking that we're going to talk about. It's going to, from now on, <laughs> known as hashtag sexy tracking. Absolutely. I like it. 
that in mind. So, like, okay, so we, we're going to set up wicked reports or some equivalent type software. Great. And that's obviously hooked up to Google Analytics, which it does great. And it's hooked up to your Infusionsoft or whatever you use there. So that's great. And it's hooked up to your ads platform. So that's good. So now everything is in theory talking to each other. Does that mean now that your North Star, just to get that's right in my head, is that now wicked reports in this instance? Like at this point, I'm thinking, well, I'm putting my fingers in my ears when it comes to Facebook because they're, they're favor, favoring Facebook. As is everybody else. Like, is it literally just one single North? start and it's wicked reports in this case and we only trust it yeah so the way that we look at our tech stack so wicked reports is amazing for making decisions over time so we you still utilize google analytics for our day of reports uh wicked reports is not doing real-time reporting so okay. just to make sure that things are functioning within our campaigns uh, we don't have any site errors google analytics is our day-to-day north star to ensure that things are moving correctly that we're not having any broken issues and we're going in and making decisions over the long haul. Uh, so really trying to understand and basically just to, to kind of go back and explain why this is so important. With every paid traffic network, we as companies can only afford, let's say, $50 for a sale. Let's say that's what the number needs to be. I can spend in a campaign up to a threshold. I did this last week. We took a campaign from, on YouTube from zero to $28,000 a day in six days. I looked at the numbers as we moved through these things. And when we were at $18,000 a day, we had our best profit margin with our biggest scale. When we went up to $28,000 a day, all of a sudden we started to run negative. So I had to back down. That's the ceiling that you will run into in every single traffic network. Because as you increase your budgets, your costs always go up. There's never a time it hasn't happened. I would love for someone to show me that they increase their budgets and their costs do not go up. It happens every single time. And that's because you start to serve your ad to more and more people. You just, it, the, the numbers, that's why you have to have really good click-through rates on your ads because the numbers are going to go down. You, you have to have something that can hold solid and can you know continue to go through that higher spend. But you're going to run into the ceiling where you have to back down. You say, okay, we can't really go past this point in order to stay profitable. But... What happens and the reason that LTV companies or people who look at a bigger picture can outspend you is they say, okay, we're looking here based on last click attribution. But we're, you know, when we're driving that much traffic, we're spending that much money. A lot of people are going through what we call the halo. They're going through organic search. Maybe they're buying something on Amazon. They're going to, you know, one of the sites that we sell the product on. They're doing their reviews. So we've built up this huge halo of people that are interested in our product. But if we're not accounting for those people, we're not looking at this over the long haul, then we are going to be stuck at that ceiling. The reason we use a North Star like Wicked Reports is let's say they came through when we're spending $28,000 a day. It's a lot of money on YouTube, right? We're spending a lot of money there. Mm. And so when we get to that point, we've driven a lot of clicks. We've driven a lot of people through organic search. We've driven a lot of people to Amazon. What we're looking for is, okay, how did our spend on this particular day look across our entire halo, the things that are not directly tracked. But also on top of that, there's a lot of people that clicked through that did not buy on day one. But what I love about my tracking stuff is I can come through and see these people clicked on day one, but they bought, there was a big trickle in over the next seven days of people who came back and purchased. And so making sure that all of those things are being tracked, what Wicked Reports does really well is it tracks from the first interaction. So you can understand, great, Here's, you know, I can look at these campaigns and say, over the last six weeks, we've spent $100,000. We're not profitable on day zero, 
but seven days afterwards, we're profitable across all this, we should continue to spend. Or the other thing that we do is let's say we're driving content at the top of the funnel and we're spending in it, we're not seeing returns. A lot of us would go in and shut that off. Well, Wicked Reports actually tracks all of those people who click through on your content over the course of time. And they actually have a feature in there called missed opportunities that says, look, you spent $5,000 on this campaign and 90 days later, you've made $45,000 of revenue back. You should probably go turn it back on. And so those are the things for me where you're looking at a bigger picture, not day zero. You're not focused on that little tiny window. That's how you get past these these scaling ceilings and really move into the next level of advertiser where you're focused on how do I drive as many sales as possible using directional accuracy. Once again, I feel very confident that YouTube is producing twice the amount of sales as Facebook. So if I continue to up the budget, my halo should increase by two times what I would see if I, if I up the budget on Facebook. Does all of that make sense? Yeah, this idea that halo and having that, all of those things surrounding it are, is, is, really good, is a really good metaphor, isn't it? And apart from, apart from the things you've just talked about, what are the other sort of important decisions by having a real handle, real visuals, real, real deep understanding of, of this tracking, of this analytics, of this data? What are the other real important decisions we should be pulling out of that when we sit down? And first of all, how often should we be looking at these? At this scale, we're talking daily, aren't we? Yeah. So once again, the piece for me is in the daily stuff, we're looking at the fixes we need to make. We're looking inside of Google Analytics to understand if we need to make an adjustment with things. Yeah. I usually look at this stuff weekly. I just try and understand, okay, but you know, this is kind of the funny part when you get there's like the single big baby problem, which means like you've got one thing that you do. You're focused on selling this one course. So you're like in, you're obsessed with it and you look at it every single day. When you become really good at paid traffic, is when you're too busy, you have too many things going on, and you just let the data run. And so you're going to come back a week later and you say, okay, we spent money, we were looking in on these things, ensuring we didn't have any problems that were breaking. You know, $18,000 a day is a lot of money. We're spending, you know, $100,000 over the course of an average work week. However, when we're spending at that level, we get a lot of really good data. And so we come back and we look at it on a weekly basis to say, okay, here's what kind of went on inside of this campaign. Here's our direct attribution. We're going to have to wait 90 days to see the full impact of this. But we feel like this is something we can continue to work with. Now what I'm doing is going in, and this is where we look at our tools, our Google Analytics. We build a lot of dashboards inside of Google Data Studio, or we'll do just Excel spreadsheets to understand. We talked about all of those little um, micro, a lot of people call them micro conversions along the way, Mm. to understand the ad click-through rate, the advertorial click-through rate, all of those pieces. What we're looking at on a weekly basis is, okay, it looks like the bottleneck in our funnel that's keeping us from converting more people Let's say it's our advertorial click-through rate. We're going to spend our time this week going back and fixing that. So when we put $100,000 through this next week, we're going to see the impact of this. And so this is a piece that when you have your single baby, you're really focused on like, I want to up my ad budget. I want to be focused on these things. I want to squeeze as much ROI of it as possible. But what I'm sure you guys have seen on Facebook is you have to be constantly iterating creative in order to keep the delivery up. No kidding. What you have to be focused on is I need to focus on my funnel. This is, you know, the funnel for us is everything that happens, the sale and after. So the upsells, the sequences, et cetera. So our term for the things that come before that are called creative stacks. So you've got your ad and then you've got your stack of creative that happens before you get to the sale. So that may be your landing page, your squeeze page, your lead magnet, your email sequence, whatever those things are. Those are your creative stacks that you're using to get people to ultimately 
buy whatever you're selling. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to look at all of the ratios from each one of those things from every traffic source and understand how can we improve the metrics here? That's my daily goal. How can I go in and improve the metrics on the front end in order to let the back end just take care of itself? Does that make sense? So you're, you're really taking care of that front end. A lot of people think I need to take care of this back end. So they sort of get in, in the weeds of all of that very, very quickly. And, and, and what you're saying there, just to make sure I'm clear on that, is actually, it's, it's usually a front end thing. Well, there's, there, everything goes hand in hand. So I can't say cool. yes, it's definitely the front end. But once you get something working, uh, you can continue to build out your back end and increase your LTV. But the real wins on a weekly basis are done with the creative on the front end. It's continuing to test things, iterate, optimize. You know, what we do with our process is we talked about starting with the ad and then working the way down through the funnel. We run week-long tests. So we run seven days worth of spend that we're testing different ads. And if we find an ad that beats the control, that becomes our new control. And now we're going to go work on the next step, which is the advertorial. So we'll spend a week testing advertorial iterations to see, can we beat that control? If we do, then we'll move on to the next step. If we don't, we'll stay with the advertorial. And then we'll also get new ads in production. We try and do that every two weeks just to ensure we have new creative coming through. That's really the process to use for paid traffic to continue to scale, whether it be on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever you're working. If you're not always trying to beat your controls, and this is the thing that people are trying to figure out, well, how do I scale on this other network? You have to be you know, attempting those things. But what we really focused on is having a singular sales message that we're always working to improve. Ad networks are just distribution. Ad networks don't sell anything. We are in charge of conversion. And so that's the piece that becomes really important. You can't continue to improve your creative and improve the numbers on the front end if you don't have your tracking in place. Love that. I love that. I love the fact you just literally follow it through. Let's try and get this bit right and then move on to that and keep and keep going through the funnel. And have you found just in the experience of running a lot of ads, somebody at your level, have you found that if you take your current best performer of one platform, let's say off you're currently absolutely nailing it over on the old Facebook, and then you decide I'm going to whip up a frenzy on uh, Google Display, do you mm-hmm. take your current best performer and find that it generally will perform really, really well? Or are you literally starting from scratch? So that's a great question. And I'm really glad that you brought this up because this is where I'm working on helping our our students at AdSkills understand what it takes to convert cold clicks. So I actually have a slide right now in a presentation. Um, Wilco, who I can't remember the name of his software, but it basically helps people find um, audience targeting. He has a very long post. Yeah, Connectio. So he's got a long post with a video um, on Facebook. And I've got that sitting next to an ad on native for Honey, the, the Amazon plugin. Yeah. And my only question to people is, are these ads equal? And, and I know it's hard for someone who's listening to take a representation. So think of a long copy ad versus an ad with an image and a headline. Are they equal? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that's no, right? They're not. One ad can do a lot more selling than another ad can. And so I think the piece that's really important for people to understand is, the question that you asked, and I believe it was Kennedy who asked it, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. essentially what, what's going on is, can you plug and play an ad from one place to another? Right. The answer to that is no, in most cases, because ad units are all different. That being said, can you take a message from one ad network to another? Absolutely. Your message is your message. Once you've found an angle that works to convert people, Now you have to translate things. So let's say you've got a long, I love people on Facebook being like, I took my, you know, my, my ad from Facebook and I copied it over to YouTube and it's not working. 
And so I'll look at them and I'll say, okay, well, you have 10 paragraphs of copy with your video. And on YouTube, all you have is your video. Do these seem the same to you or is there something different here? But there's a huge opportunity there, is there not, John? Because if you you whip it over to YouTube and refine it, now you probably know that it's the the text, the copy that's selling the thing, not the video. But but here's a question for you. I'm sorry to cut you off because I'm I'm quite excited about this. If you now go over to YouTube where you've got to rely on the video because you ain't got no copy, man, then... You refine the video and get it converting like crazy on you on YouTube, where there's only video. Now you could go back over to the likes of Facebook and see how that affects things over there. And are you are you almost certainly going to get a better response over on Facebook now? Absolutely. But I, I interesting the- using a text heavy platform to test the copy, using a video heavy platform to 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 test the video, pull those things together. And you've got some kind of superstar, haven't you? Absolutely. And that's the piece that's so important. People say, well, my Facebook ad does, like YouTube doesn't work because it's working on Facebook. It's not working over here. Right. You have to sit down and ask yourself, how are the ads different? How can I really appeal using the ad unit that's given to me? And we'll say, let's talk about native and GDN when you're using those. All you get is an image and a headline. So do you really think, you know, I love when people try and plug their Facebook ad onto GDN and be like, well, it doesn't work. The the, The clicks are cheap but it's not working. Well, once again, the ad unit is doing a lot less selling. So your, your, ad, your landing page, your advertorial has to do a ton more selling because it's responsible for actually delivering that sales message. And then on top of it, it's a very different platform. So now you're talking about creative differences and platform differences. You have to understand, this is why it's so important to really understand how the networks are different, you have to translate your message from one platform to another if you want to be able to scale across them. Wow. Okay. So we've got tracking, we've got testing different messages, we've got trying that different bits of copy. This has been a hell of an episode. Now we're going to interrupt proceedings one more time for our last and final game of the episode. So, John, here's how it works. My colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you now, John. And your job, and of course, dear listener at home, is simply to guess. Oh, but he's going to sing a song in the style of a traditional British pub singer. You lucky duck. Which means that some of the words will be somewhat intelligible. Uh, your job is simply to guess what well-known song Kennedy's singing. Any idea? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, it was easy, John. <laughs> Colin here in our office has guessed it. What's the answer, Colin? <laughs> <laughs> he he shut, he's he mouthing over. He did say easy. It was Mongo Jerry with In the Summertime. I love it. I, it sounded just like it. I just See? didn't know the name of the song. I mean, yeah. my, my next career is Mungo Jerry Tribute Act. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a market for that. I well, agree. That was... ads. <laughs> Doing ads for people, that's the thing. So as, as we wrap this up, I've got one last question for you here, really, before we jump into the quick fire round, which is, you know, let's imagine that we've got this far by ourselves. We've been running our ads and everything's going pretty well. Because it really pressures entrepreneurs, aren't we? We want, to, we want to do it. And now this sounds like it's a hell of a lot of work and effort and thought and thinking, and we're not data scientists. So how can we possibly do all of this? At what point is it worth, and obviously you're a little bit biased here being an ads agency, but at what point is this worth just saying, you know, screw it, I'm going to outsource? And of course, and the part of that is, at what point is it worth it? And, and by that is, 
is there enough money in the pot? Is there enough traffic coming through? Are we at the right stage for an agency to even have an effect for us and for us to be appealing and interesting to work with from an agency? Yeah, so this kind of comes down to me. It's a very, you know, obviously you have to have enough margin coming through to be able to feed that. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where we really worked with ad skills groups to say, look, you're good at what you do. You should work on performance because if someone has an offer that's worthwhile, you can produce results for them. They don't want to pay a big retainer. And so when we when we look at these things, we're kind of training the 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 level of agency that people actually want to work with. So it's having media buyers that come in and say, you know, I need a little bit of money for my time, but really what we're doing is we're going to make money together. And so at the end of the day, when it, when you look at this type of situation for a business, you need to feel comfy, really confident in who you're working with. It's never a bad time to enlist help. Um, and when I say that, it's one of those things of like, we as business owners always are thinking about the budgets, the ROI, how's the cash flow going? Mm-hmm. Find, finding experienced people that can help you is the highest ROI thing you can do. You just have to be able to vet them. And so this is the piece that's really important for me as a teacher. Um, you know, one of the things when I left Google, to me, the AdWords certification means nothing. Because AdWords, if you go through the training at Google, it kind of teaches you how to lose money. And so that's that piece for me is I want to know from people who've actually helped others generate results, you need to be asking a lot of questions of the people you're planning to work with um, before you start cutting checks for people. Um, And, you know, kind of the big thing for me is we're trying to train people who can come in and repair the damages that a lot of other agencies have done. So I know that wasn't a direct answer to your question. It's good. But at the end of the day, you need to be asking a lot of questions before you're willing to stroke a check to someone. How can we begin to figure out what those questions are going to be, though? It's a great it's a great question. This is the piece of, you know, if if you like me and and the way that I talk about things and my approach. Um, I wish I had a great universal answer for you. I don't. Right. We we are very tough on who we give our stamp of approval or certification to. Mm-hmm. Um, we have by far the hardest. You cannot buy our certification. It is a very difficult test that people have to come through and understand and produce results. If you would like to work with someone who meets my level of criteria and quality, um, we have a service at Ad Skills that we can just connect you with one of our certified media buyers. Honestly, I know it's biased because it's my business, but at the same time, that's something where the only way I know how to give you a stamp of approval is someone's gone through my training, shown that they can prove results, and gone through the most difficult tests that I've ever seen constructed for ad buying. That's the only answer that we've been able to come with to help people actually see, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? That's the only time I've ever been able to say, yes, that's the answer. Okay. Let me say, if I'm out and about, or I get a lovely another another inbox message from some fabulous person on on LinkedIn saying they can help me with this. What's the one? Can you give me just one question that might give me? I mean, it's not not going to be the be all end all because we want to go deep on that. But what's yeah. a, a nice starter question we could say? Hey, give me an answer to this, and I could feel like I'm sort of doing a better job than I'm currently doing now. Absolutely, great question. There is one question that you can answer. Um, there's a guy named Peep La, Peep Laha. I can't remember how you pronounce his last name. Conversion okay. XL, um, great guy. Uh, has put together incredible stuff. When I was starting my entrepreneurial journey, I saw a quote from him that said, "Experts have processes." So what I would ask is, can you please explain for me in depth the process you use to get people from where we're at to where we want to be? Pros will be, have no problem sitting down and talking about, "Here's how I do things." 
people that are just kind of flailing will be like, uh, well, let me get back to you on that. Or they'll right. you can tell when they're kind of BSing. So if you ask them about their process, if they have a very detailed answer and can show case studies talking about how these things have taken place and people are willing to speak on their behalf, mm-hmm. you can work with that person. If you don't, that's going to be something that's a very big red flag that I would recommend running from that person. Because it looks like they're sort of figuring it out as they go. So cool. Now, John, we're going to jump over now into what we call the quick fire round. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. John, tell me, what's a book you would recommend? Uh, on Leadership by John Wooden. It's called Wooden on Leadership, I believe. Very cool. Yeah, love it. Secondly, can you give us one of your top success habits or something you do daily, weekly, or regularly? I have just started the process of working with a trainer to track all of my meals and my workouts, and that has helped my energy level and production immensely. Wow. I love that. We're experiencing something similar here as well. So give me a name of an entrepreneur or a business person, marketer, who you look up to. Hmm. I know it's supposed to be quick fire. I want to make sure that I'm careful with this. Um, Bryant Garvin is a guy who did the YouTube advertising for Purple Mattress and is a incredible person and a very good marketer. I would recommend people pay attention to what he's talking about. Hmm. We've talked a few, about a few bits of software in this. What would you say your favorite apps that you like right now? Wicked Reports is definitely one of them. Um, okay. I'm also a big fan of Camtasia. This is where I do all my recording and I put together YouTube ads. Um, I would definitely recommend people look at that for video production if you don't have something in place. Love that. Big important question and our favorite. Who do you like more, red-haired Rob or platinum-haired Kennedy? Uh, I love both of you, Kennedy. The singing was so amazing. I'm going to have to lean with you on that one. But Rob, it's a very close second. I like (laughs) it. He's always a very close second. And finally, most importantly, where can people go and find out more about you and everything that you're doing? Um, adskills.com is where we, you know, that's my daily operation. I'm inside of our pro league Slack channel, 24 seven answering questions for people. Um, that's the best place to reach out. And, uh, if we can help out with paid traffic and tracking would be love to do that. Amazing. John, thank you so much for coming and hanging out. I had an absolute blast. Learned so much. Just that last five minutes for me was absolutely mind-blowing about what to ask people to find out whether we're getting ripped off or working with someone who's probably a bit more credible. Thank you so much for taking the time, being so Sharon. We'd really appreciate it. Of course. Happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Cheers. That concept of a North Star is amazing. Yeah, it just brings so much clarity to everything, doesn't it? It does. And I think the real, for me, the real key for me is, is to have the North Star. I think for me, it, I would have, I, I'm going to change things around here and in all of my stuff, to have the North Star be a completely unbiased, independent thing and right. not be one of those other things. So I'm, I know it's possible to choose one of them as a North Star, and that's okay. But having an independent one, which says, well... I don't have any vested interest in any of this stuff. So this is what I reckon it is. To trust that, keep reviewing the other stuff and just make sure it hasn't gone potty as well. So there's not like a uh, some kind of... Because, you know, tech goes mad, goes mad sometimes, doesn't it? But I think that's just a great idea. And it really gives me a lot of clarity because I know when I sit and look at my Google Analytics, I look at my, my Facebook reporting, I do want to pull my hair out sometimes. Yeah, and it's irritating as heck when you run in an ad and Facebook says you've had 300 conversions and your email system says you've only had, you know, 200. And you're, oh, why is it out? There was a lot in that episode, though. So if you have missed any of it or you want to just go through some of it again, head over to blog.responsesuite.com 
slash 068, and you'll find all the show notes there that we've put for you together. Now, if you haven't already, we did mention it at the top of the episode, but if you haven't already, please do get, do us a massive, massive favor and head over to leave us a lovely review, preferably on the Apple Podcasts platform. If you want to go to responsesuite.com forward slash iTunes, that's the place we'd most like to get reviews. Yeah. But you can also leave reviews on whatever it is that you listen to, Stitcher or Google. It would literally mean the world to us if you just take two minutes to go and do that. It really does mean so, so much to us. We can't even express how much it is. Okay, thank you so much for doing that, and we'll be back. Don't miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.